0: Kurt, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today it's uh, B2B again. Um, I just uh, came back from the Shop Talks Europe conference, and it still feels like uh, uh, Shop Talks and the other big conferences are focusing still 100% on B2C. So, very few manufacturers, very few challenges for manufacturers uh, to be solved. In your LinkedIn profile, I can read you're the e-commerce evangelist for manufacturers. So you have to do your daily shop talks conference yourself with your customers. Um, Can you introduce yourself uh, uh, a bit before we're diving into the core topics?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. And and before I get into that, I have to uh, share what an absolute honor and privilege it is to be with you. Uh, You know, my respect and admiration for what you've done as a serial e-commerce you know, entrepreneur is nothing short of uh, amazing. So kudos to you for kind of leading the charge, uh, helping small entrepreneurs, uh, you know, worldwide to capture this uh, e-commerce opportunity. So uh, great to be here. Um, you know, my uh, my company is B2B tail. Little play on words instead of retail. It's B2B tail. So hopefully you might like that one. And so what my shtick is, is I do uh, e-commerce training workshops, webinars uh, for manufacturers and a lot of folks that are digital immigrants, you know, maybe they're Gen X or baby boomers is, uh, you know, phrase that we use here in the States. And, uh, you know, a little bit resistance or newer to this whole digital transformation or e-commerce. And so we call it, we want to teach our manufacturers how to fish in those e-commerce waters. So We want to kind of teach them of how to figure this thing out. So that's my shtick.
0: But I, but I read in your CV you you started your own uh, e-commerce company like uh, how much 1995 almost that's like almost 30 years ago it, it feels like uh, yeah. and and you became like very successful though it was not a small small business can can you tell us a bit about it?
1: Sure. So you know 1995 that that, that means one thing one thing only it means that I'm an old dude so yeah so in 1995 yeah. I had a wholesale business and I was struggling horribly my accountant likes to say that i was the biggest train wreck that she had ever met and just sheer out of desperation and running out of options uh it was 1995 and if i don't know if you're even old enough to remember those days it was like you know you had like these little uh cds were going out to people's homes and 14.4 mo- uh, modem dial-up and i'm like man i'm just running out of options let me try this little e-commerce
0: thing big, and big times off aol AOL was actually, actually, AOL owned uh, um, 50% of the CD printing market back at this time. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Hey, vertical integration, right? So, you know, you had uh, what Prodigy, Excite, uh, Excite you know, uh, Netscape. You had all sorts of, uh, you know, companies way back in the day. You know, this is pre-Google. And so, yeah, you know, the whole e-commerce thing, and what's fascinating, you know, when you look at the whole scope, so yeah, that was 27 years ago, but we are still in the infant, infant stages of e-commerce. So, you know, again, the companies that I'm working with, small manufacturers, custom manufacturers, where e-commerce is new and they feel like they're late to the game, they are absolutely not late to the game. This party is just starting. And so there's uh, just tremendous opportunity with, uh, with e commerce. So, yeah, so I, I, uh, I had a wholesale business, converted into e commerce. Took me a long time. It was very stressful, very challenging. We finally, uh, through the 2000s, uh, you know, anybody that was in e commerce and survived the dot com bubble in 99 and 2000, uh, if you survived it, then also, uh, boy, the saving grace was Google. When Google hit the scene, and then also on social media started hitting, hitting the scene, like, uh, you know, Facebook and O3 and Twitter and YouTube. And, and so we just embraced all those opportunities and uh, had a nice run. We ended up on the internet retailer, top 1,000 companies three years in a row. And I ended up selling that company. So yeah, it's been a great run.
0: And co- compared um, to what happened like uh, 25 years, 30 years um, ago, the challenges today, uh, when it comes to starting a new online business, especially in B2B, are um, a bit different. And I and I saw some numbers. I think you're also sharing these numbers. We are talking about like 1.8 trillion tr- or, or even bigger yeah. B2B uh, market. Uh, lots lot of lots of those market might be already like um, digitized, yeah. uh, whatever whatever it means. Mm-hmm. So are there still many companies that are about to start and need some help starting um, stuff in B2B or do we have a market where only advanced players are playing the game?
1: It's it, the party's just starting, you know, and, and again, I give credit to you and your partner Boris for having a vision to start your e-commerce company in 2014. You know, a lot of players were already in the field and so that's why I just really uh, respect and admire, you know, your scrappiness as an entrepreneur to plunge in. So uh, on the B2B side for manufacturers, um, I don't, you know, don't, back, don't quote me or back me up on these stats. I think like e-commerce retail sales represent like 15% of the market. 15% of the retail market, okay? If it doubles every year for like the next however many years, we're still only going to be like maybe what twenty five percent. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's you know uh, just it's it's just such a small market on a B two B side. I believe it's under ten percent. So in the grand scheme of things, it is you know like if we looked at the stock market a hundred some years ago or say a hundred years from now, we're like, man, should I invest in a stock market? It's ugly right now, da, 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 da. You know, if you just go in and you're just patient and you just stay, uh, get involved in just time, you know, you're just blossoming, just being part of that wave. In e-commerce, you know, what I found with my e-commerce company, we were growing double digits every year. I know you're growing triple digits every year, God bless you. You know, we were growing double digits every year, just being in e-commerce. By just being in e-commerce, you're growing at double digits. So it is, absolutely not too late we are just starting and so anybody out there that's considering e-commerce now's the time to get into it but
0: what's but, but different from my point of view um compared to the 20 years ago um, and i started late in the 90s understanding like e-commerce and online mark mm-hmm. uh, online marketing so we had time actually to digest every new Development. So we, we started with a desktop. Our biggest problem, like twenty years ago, was uh, does a website work in Internet Explorer and later than in Firefox. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the main challenge. There was no mobile around. There was no metaverse. There was no SEO. There was no uh, um, there was no uh, first first party cookie policy, uh, policy. Third party. There was no Amazon advertising system. yeah. yeah. Today, if you're entering the market, also in B two B, it's like super 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 complex. But the uh, to be successful in that market and to be able to grow with the market might be double digits or triple digits depending on the niche you you, you have to like um, really ramp and accelerate your learning curve very fast So there is no time to learn because like every year there's like new technology coming on top so how do you see b2b companies and you're you're saying you're you're helping especially smaller b2b companies when they're starting this kind of journey. How do you help them to adapt? Because from their point of view, it feels like they need to hire 100 people uh, in order to just get on par to get the basics right. Mm-hmm. That's not about like being becoming a B two B e commerce leader. Uh, um, h- how does it work?
1: Yeah, great question. And, you know, you and I have a mutual friend with Brian Back. We were talking about him before. And, you know, he has a great book, uh, Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. And so, you know, he deals with a lot of Fortune 500, uh, larger companies that are, you know, they're literally selling six-figure, seven-figure Uh, SKUs you know right online so you know from uh, the world that I'm in it's a lot of my preach is a lot of custom manufacturers where they make a part they make a unit they make a component for somebody else they're in the supply chain maybe aerospace auto what you know food whatever it might be and they make a part or a component and yet they feel left out of this e-commerce space well what e-commerce represents for them is taking that customer service off of uh, their sales department and putting it and I know you guys do a great job of this of you know say like repeat orders you know so now instead of like calling you know a high a high paid sales rep and tying up their time with just repeat orders which is great and it's building that relationship but now let's put that onus onto the website so that first and foremost are putting those parts and components. Uh, on the website, and most importantly, for customer service and repeat orders. Now, the thing that, uh, you know, anybody follows my webinars, workshops, training, so on and so forth, I am hugely, hugely bullish on configurators. That's like music to my ears. I know you guys are involved with configurators. So, uh, you know, I was on a call with a gentleman who's super active with configurators, and we're like, you know, I struggle to find a manufacturer that shouldn't have a configurator in some component. And what that does is it allows a new customer come onto their website and they can build or create that widget, that product that they have right on their, you know, so instead of dropping in a drawing waiting two or three weeks for a quote to come back they now could build that, that part and maybe it's not exact but at least gets the conversation started and so that's uh if hopefully with that answer that's where
0: uh, yeah 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 but, but that's that's a very good example and and, and, and there I see like a, a big like disconnect to uh, the b2c strategies that are um, that are sold and um, uh, um, that, that are preached actually and, and uh, shop talks conferences and, and and similar conferences because you said it already it's it's usually a quote in B2B commerce, mm-hmm. all the systems we have learned in B2C were always meant for a direct transaction, mm-hmm. like all the measurement tools were direct transaction, all the mm-hmm. advertising setups were like direct transaction. Try try to get uh, the customer for low click price to the website, try to increase the conversion and like with, uh, with a couple of high baskets, you might be able to have, a, uh, have an, um, an average new customer. Um, uh, for for uh, a good margin out of the first basket, uh, a margin higher than the advertising cost. Mm-hmm. Now it's very different. Now uh, you are describing a customer who might come to a small B two B website, mm-hmm. who might see the configurator, and then he requests a quote, and he say, okay, I've configured this kind of product. I need this kind of product um, five hundred times, mm-hmm. three locations over a time span of. 12 months, Mm -hmm. give me a quote, which was a very manual process before, but all the tools that are available until now are not made for this kind of process. What, What do you do?
1: Yeah, great question. So, you know, and I know, like, you know, if you go on your uh, website, you guys are working with like, you know, Toyota and Siemens and a lot of major players. Again, you know, let's think about that, you know, again, back to my, it's all about me, Alex, you know, let's come back to me. So it's, uh, you know, those 30, 40, 50 employee companies, right? And that's in here in the States, you know, and maybe it's the same in Germany, uh, 75% of all manufacturers are 20 employees or less. Okay, it's probably, you know, and it might be 80% is like 50 and less. So these are small family businesses or, you know, legacy businesses or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. So here, you know, perfect example, custom manufacturer, they manufacture a widget or a part. And so now, and I'm gonna throw in my SEO hat, okay. So many custom manufacturer, I make circuit boards, I bend metal, I cut steel, you know, whatever it is that they do, they try, they're very broad. And they're like, hey, anybody that needs metal bent, we can take care of, or anybody that needs, uh, you know, a circuit board, you know, but when you talk to them, it's really not the case. But unfortunately, they're widget experts. They're just not. They're not really thinking marketing. One of our preaches that we love to say, favorite saying is: remember, I'm working on another book right now. We call it niche down till it hurts niche down till it hurts and then we finish it till it hurts so good. And what I mean by that, if you are a CNC shop or a custom manufacturer, contract manufacturer, stay in your lane, get laser focused and the more focused you are, instead of trying to be everything to everybody, be something to a a handful of folks, but be the best at that. That's where that configurator comes in. And then when you laser focus on like, okay, I am a CNC shop for a very specific part in aerospace, or I make circuit boards for such and such, or I do wire cable assemblies for this. When I get very specific, now I can start attacking and start crushing it on SEO. I can start coming up on search. My pay-per-click strategies are much more effective. My LinkedIn and my social strategies more effective. And then when they do land on that website, now because I'm not trying to be everything to everybody, I'm trying to build a handful of parts. And even if I'm not exactly there, I'm keeping that potential customer on my website. I'm keeping them engaged. And now when I go to that configurator, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm super excited and eager to learn more about Spryker's, uh, you know, uh, configurator, what we're doing is we're having that that customer is creating that part, and it's now creating web pages with that part. So now our customer is creating content for us, and on those web pages we're optimizing those pages. So now our customers are really taking our clients are taking full advantage of SEO uh, value with that configurator. So it's, there's just multiple wins with a configurator.
0: Yeah but what you're describing it sounds like me a bit like transformation management so you're saying uh don't do don't do it all don't try to serve all customers for all purposes but please focus and those companies like became successful because they somehow like started this way like grew to like 40 uh, uh, people usually they don't have like a, a five-year strategic uh, uh, um, plan ahead where, where, where they can exactly tell you yeah. what their go-to market strategy in the next state what's the next product line is it's it's really kind of an opportunistic driven uh, um, uh, right. uh, driven business what is your experience here when so you've you've doing this now for a couple of years so what what kind of growth rate change you see with customers that entered this e-commerce journey that really started to focus on a spe- mm-hmm. uh, on a specific challenge mm-hmm. or on a specific product um, versus customers that stayed very broad can is there like the ones that focus like grew like 100 year on year the others only like 10 percent. can you say something like that
1: yeah great question so I, I unfortunately I haven't experienced that triple digit growth at this uh, juncture but um, I'm going to come back to the contract manufacturer that, again, typically what was very uh, stereotypical is, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent of their business would be with that one customer. If they're in auto, you know, it might be either they're dealing with one of the major uh, auto manufacturers or somebody in that supply chain. If they're in aerospace, they're dealing directly with Boeing or they're dealing somebody in the food chain to Boeing, you know. And so, again, 50 or 60 percent of their business. Uh, so I've been I've been, since COVID, I've encountered a lot of um, I kind of like, I'm like a little bit of a fix it guy. So like, you know, if you're doing great, a lot of times those customers aren't coming to me. It's the folks that are coming that, uh, you know, so in aerospace, they've been absolutely crushed in the past few years, especially with the Boeing tragedies uh, with the past few years. And then you, when you combine COVID and, and flight travel plunged you know 90%. So a lot of the manufacturers in the aerospace were just absolutely decimated. So now, and again, one, two, three customers represent 50 or 60% of their business. By embracing and tackling this and going into this process and laser focus at what they're best at, they now they're absorbing. So it's hard to say you know uh, that their business is growing because a lot of it went down. But now they're they're seeing either stabilizing, they're stabilizing, or they're seeing some nice double-digit growth, because they're offsetting that big loss yeah. by increasing okay, e-commerce. Got it. That
0: that totally that totally uh, that totally makes makes sense. Um, the one uh, one argument I'm often hearing from those specialized B two B companies, and and you've described it. Yeah. You you've described like the ideal customer journey. But uh, if I were a B two B company owner, I would say, but Kurt. Nobody is searching this specific part of this product online. You know, they know their vendors. Yeah. They know who's, who's doing a good quality, who's doing a bad yeah. quality. And the people that are on the purchasing side never, never, ever would, would, do, would do this. At least that's an argument I've heard at B2B conferences now for years. How do you counter this one?
1: Phenomenal. Man, Alex, you, you come with some good questions, dude. This is great. So I love I have multiple examples and I'll, I'll narrow it down. So say, um, you know, uh, back to our friend Brian Beck. So I have a number of clients there. Uh, you know, Brian's dealing with a lot of high end uh, components, parts, machinery. So I've had the blessing working with several companies that they're selling equipment that's in the quarter million, half a million, up to like $20 million range. Okay. And so the thing is for them to land one customer could be transformational just one customer. So what we do with our training is we take them through search and we do a deep dive on keyword strategy and and what have you, okay? So here's a, I'll give you one example. So LED manufacturer, they're an LED manufacturer. If you Google LEDs, do you think they have competition? Absolutely. Amazon, uh, you know, you name it. Everybody and their brother that sells an LED, they're coming up against. Well, we started doing a deep dive into their keyword strategy. And all of a sudden, I discovered that they had some components that they sell within the LEDs that, they're ha- that they have first page ranking on. And I'm like, hey, guys, I go, check this out. Look at this for you. Like, you're number three on this. And, like, all this different variation of this one particular keyword, they up and down. They're coming up on first page of Google, and they had no idea. And I'm like, hey, you know, is that a good keyword? Is that product a good fit for you? They're like, you're not gonna believe this, Kurt. Our largest competitor just closed a year ago during COVID on that particular part. He pulls up a spreadsheet. He goes, I just sold 75,000 units to a brand new customer because of that part. I'm like, dude, if I was you, I would give everything I've got, if that's a good product line, if you've got supply chain, if you, can, if you can support and supply that, because you can exploit it and part of our training, we call it, why I love working with manufacturers, is I, we teach, how do you dominate search? And there's when you state laser, if I'm gonna do like CNC, metal fabrication, good luck, you're not gonna come up on search. But if I do metal fabrication for turbine engines or something very specific, that's what they do and that ideal customer out there is indeed searching that. Or they're on LinkedIn searching it, or what have you. When you're preaching that consistently, they're gonna marry, they're gonna marry that ideal customer. They're gonna be the best in that lane instead of trying to be, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. When we try to be everything to everyone, we are nothing to no one. So that's why. We okay, just then really then I would, I would I would
0: that. argue that on the SEO side or advertising side, you have to wait for the customer. But um, there might be some smart sales people or a part, field sales department from the B two B manufacturer that say, okay, what's my job in the future? Then like a a good consultant would say your job is like finding customers on LinkedIn, trying to create a campaign, uh, uh, maybe brand awareness campaign, maybe a best CNC manufacturer in Tennessee campaign, whatever it is to raise awareness and therefore like getting more, um, getting more top of the funnel traffic for the website which will also increase um, the signaling on the on the SEO side. Uh, have you seen manufacturers, especially with this size, like 40, 50 people being able to do this? Because uh, um, we, we are doing this obviously as, as Briker, and it's a hell of complicated environment uh, uh, today, not only on LinkedIn, but on other channels too. But I would do it because it makes sense. You can find customers on LinkedIn for a CNC manufacturer in Tennessee.
1: Absolutely, so uh, great example, great analogy. Uh, One thing that we love to preach and teach is like, how do you create that strong referral network? Okay, so for kind of like we do, we call our training edutainment. So we try to make it a lot of fun and like, you know, people don't want to be bored to death. So we have a lot of different trainers. I mentioned like Brian Becks, one of our, uh, you know, one of our speakers, we do a lot of webinars. And so we preach like you can't, there is no death by PowerPoint under what, so you know, under any circumstance. So we try to make them really fun and we try to make them engaging. So with, when we're tracking that ideal customer, we call them soulmates. How do we track and identify soulmates, the ideal customer? Okay. And so what we do with that uh, referral network, we call it that soulmate 100. So if I manufacture a lamp, I want to partner, buddy up, become best friends with who's the lampshade guy? Who's the woman that's selling light bulbs? Who, any other accessories that's going to go around my lamp, if I'm a lamp manufacturer, I want to have like a nice network. So here's a great example. So I have a client, they do, they're in forging, okay? So they're in forging and then in a very specific portion of forging. But it's very, you know, forging is very broad. So like we've been like really focused. matter of fact, I'm on a call with them a little after our call today. And so what we've done is we've niched down, we focus on the parts that they forge. Well, they're in auto space or yeah, in auto space. They, they do a lot of parts and components for steering count. Columns. So now what they're doing is they're getting aggressive on LinkedIn and they're partnering, aligning themselves with anybody else that's making those other parts within that steering column because guess what? They're targeting the exact same folks. So they're trying to create a real strong referral network, number one. Number two, they're attacking those keywords on the specific parts of that steering column. So instead of just like broad forging and again trying to be everything to everybody, they're trying to attack the very parts that they're the best at. So that's that's my answer to that.
0: Hmm. Okay, and then maybe the last part of the podcast: what what, what uh, manufacturing is usually like an early indicator when it comes to uh, recession or inflation um, development. And and you're obviously talking to like hundreds of different companies uh, um, in different spaces. Um, maybe uh, uh, let's 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 count out the COVID effect. Do you see uh, within like the recent months where we have like this kind of uh, um, tech stock crash, do you see an effect on the manufacturing market? So less orders, less volume, less demand? Uh,
1: you know, uh, from a tech standpoint, uh, I personally have not wit- witnessed that. The app, you know, um, I'm sure the same in Germany, you know what uh, labor shortage, supply chain disruption, Uh, Getting, you know, uh, you know, having people show up to work, you know, that's that's been their you know, keeping uh, their employees safe. Uh, Those are their three top priorities right now. So, you know, as far as the tech, you know, again, you know, uh, a lot of them are using Excel for spreadsheets or their CRM. You know, unfortunately, they're in, in, you know, God bless them. They're small. They just have limited resources, limited tools. They're not the most tech savvy. Um, you know, so I personally have not seen the tech side hitting my world. again, like my, my, the manufacturers I work with are traditionally on a smaller side. So I have not witnessed that.
0: And then, um, uh, most likely there was the same discussion in the U.S. like it was in Europe because of the supply chain issues with China during COVID. So many manufacturers in, in Europe said, okay, we need to have a much, much, much more, uh, um, um, diverse. Uh, supply chain setup, so more stuff must come out of europe or the us or wherever just not mm-hmm. one part of the the world which definitely should have a, a strong uh, strong positive effect effect on uh, lots of manufacturers have you seen that in the us or is this happening
1: yes i that i absolutely have seen consistently where uh you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of manufacturers saying boy people are coming out of the woodwork and as a matter of fact what i'm hearing from a lot of manufacturers they can't keep up with capacity Uh, They just, you know, labor shortage, can't get folks on the floor, can't get, you know, people in the the shop struggling to find engineers, that type of thing. And so, yeah, there's a lot of folks that are now they're receiving a lot of RFQs, a lot of quotes where the uh, companies that they previously haven't. So, you know, back to, you know, boy, are they doing a better job on SEO and pay-per-click strategies or is it a combination of the two? It's, you know, it's probably somewhere in the combination. So um, are you what are you seeing in Germany? Are you seeing the same thing?
0: Yeah, there's definitely demand for uh, for much more uh, manufacturing capacities, but but anyway, the, the manufacturing capacities even before the supply chain uh, politics change was was kind of uh, short. Now you have like a couple of industries that are like super short, um, battery production, for example, like electronic components production is Short, but what we see is that the, the state and the governments in Europe definitely spent lots of money, uh, try to try to insource some of these capacities. Um, again, um, so in, I think it's a, it's a good time to uh to uh to get the kids out of the uh, high school again and send them to a forger to learn that, how that, to do that. That might there might be a, there might be a, a career there,
1: absolutely. I, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly.
0: Then I I saw also on your website, you you wrote in a book uh, with interesting title, Stop uh, Being the Best Kept Secret Manufacturing E-Commerce Strategy. Who should read it?
1: Who should read it? Well, let's see, my mother, uh, my sister read it, so they loved it. And uh, I know you have a phenomenal book, uh, you know, so you know it's challenging writing a book. So, you know, again, my sweet spot, I try to, I try to practice what I preach by niching down. So, you know, I target small manufacturers and, uh, you know, it's kind of a blueprint, if you will. Uh, a lot of what we just covered today, you know, uh, niching down, to, uh, embracing e-commerce. Uh, you know, every custom manufacturer has a preparatory process and again, when they, uh, you know, now I'm just being a little bit redundant. And then when they're just so broadening, and when they narrow it down, that's what I feel the magic can happen. So, you know, uh, the the book resonates well with a small manufacturer just trying to figure out this whole e-commerce journey. And so that's who I'm really kind of preaching to.
0: Yeah, you know, I've uh, on LinkedIn, I've uh, I have a motto, uh, this, which is innovate or die. Maybe you can like adapt this kind of uh, uh, motto, like uh, for your for your customers, like uh, niche niche and win, niche stuff and like win. stuff like I, this, because this.
1: That's right. I love, that. I love your innovate and die. And I've caught you on a couple of different podcasts and I know that's a tagline of yours and, and uh, for the company. And, and again, I just I absolutely love what you guys uh, what you're doing at the company with you and Boris. It's very inspiring. Uh, you know you know German engineering is t- you know world class top notch, and now you're bringing it to e-commerce. And so yeah, I'm a dude. I'm a huge German fan, man. My, my wife and I love Germany. One of our favorite cities on the planet is uh, is Berlin. I've got a bunch of books about Germany right up there on my bookshelf. So it's it, it's just such an honor and privilege to connect with you this is great
0: nice thank you thank you you should you should see hamburg if you like berlin you will uh, I, you know uh, I, well,
1: now you're making me jealous because yeah. i have not been yeah. to hamburg and so now you're i'm, I'm now, now you know i got to get that on it's on my bucket list we'll so have to make that a top priority so absolutely kurt
0: i hope that's going to work out uh, and maybe this year next year maybe we're going to meet in nashville at our, our excite uh, conference uh, um there it was a pleasure thank you for being on the commerce talk show
1: Alex, thank you and God bless for you guys. And so thank you for your time today. Appreciate it.